say, it's we're going to say, I'm going to be the new actor Batman. And so this person comes along, this trainer. I don't know how many of you guys go to the gym or You know, sort of go to, the, I go to the gym or something like that. This trainer comes to me and he says, hey, I think you would be great at this Batman part. But looking at you, uh, you definitely need some work to get to the level of some of these other actors. And so he says he's going to give me all this free training for no cost at all. On one condition that I obey everything. And so I'm like, cool, I'm out of shape, as you can probably tell. And now I'm getting an opportunity to get this world-class trainer who's going to help me turn my life around and turn me looking into like the dark night or something like that. That would be pretty dope. But I have to follow everything strictly that he's going to have me do. So there's not going to be a part of my life that isn't touched by this trainer. So it's going to be my sleep patterns are going to change. I'm going to follow his instructions for that. My diet is going to change drastically so I can look like Batman. I'm going to be going to the gym probably multiple times. You've seen some of these actors that can transform. Like these trainers, are, they're nuts. Like you're working out like two times a day, sometimes for like four hours. My life is going to look completely different. And if I follow him, I'm going to look like that. There's an end goal. I have to follow the steps that he's giving me very carefully. If not, it won't happen. That's a very silly illustration because I will never be Batman or look anything like any of the actors that play Batman. But in our passage today, God has given Israel, giving Israel instructions on how to be holy. Leviticus chapter 19, if you haven't turned there already. The very first verse, it's a long chapter, there's 37 verses, and so we're not going to dig into detail in each one of these verses. If you'd like to ask more questions afterwards, or maybe even this week, you can send an Instagram message and I can give you some more detailed notes, but for the sake of time, 37 verses, we're not going to be able to dig into every single one of them. But there are certain truths that will affect our change in our lives today as we hear them. Begin reading chapter 19, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. This is the foundational truth of this entire passage. He's going to list out all these different rules. But at the basis, he says, You need to be different because I am different. What do you what do you think? Do you know what holiness is? You want somebody? Carl, you know what he feels like you No? Anybody know what, what is holiness? What is what does it mean to be holy? Here. To be perfect. To be perfect, yeah. Well it means because there's something that is imperfect, it's different, it's completely different. He's separated. Separation would be a good word. We are to be separated because God is separated. Now, what are some reasons that we should be holy? Is that like, if I just tell you to be holy and separated, does that mean anything? Maybe. Yeah, I preach sometimes in youth group. If Pastor Bond tells you to be holy, yeah, you'll probably take that even more seriously as his pastor. He's watching over your soul. But this is the God of the universe, and he's saying to his people, you need to be holy. Now we just read that and we just read simply, okay, that's just a phrase. But what in their mind, the phrase that he uses there, it is referencing back to all the work that he's already done. And we study the Exodus and the miracles that God did there. What did he do in Exodus? He took the people out of Egypt. He rescued them. He delivered them from their bondage and slavery. And so when he says this here, he says, Be holy, for I am holy, I am the Lord God. He is referencing all the works that he has done. So he's making a claim on our lives. Because I rescued you, because I delivered you out of Exodus, 
in the Exodus, you are to live a certain way that I am going to show you. And this is the passage that we have here today, these rules, these laws. We're, the people of Israel were to be holy because of what God had done for them. What does this holiness look like? Um, if we turn, if we were to look on a Sermon on the Mount, these laws are going to look differently, obviously, for us as Christians today. We're not in Israel, we're not in ancient Israel, so we're not going to be following each and every one of these. But the principles behind them are very important. These first eight verses, to give you an overview, um, reference how we are to interact with God. Um, we studied that the last time I preached specifically in how we worship God. I want to spend a lot of time, though, in chapter, verses 9 through 19. Verse 18 says at the end, Love your neighbor as yourself. Now this, what is this? Does anybody else know where this is from? There's two greatest commandments. The first is to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, or mind, depending on what translation you have. But the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. These go hand in hand. And the story that, that I turn to, the passage of scripture that really explains this concept of how loving God translates into loving others is in chapter Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. How many of you guys, you guys all know the story? We've grown up. The lawyer comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how am I supposed to get to heaven? How, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus says, okay, look, what does the Bible say about that? And so he's kind of stuck. What does the Bible say the two greatest commandments are in the Bible, in the law that he would have? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he kind of looks silly because he's in a crowd there and he just gets a simple answer like, okay, what does the Bible say? And this smart guy has to answer, okay, he knows what it is. And so he's trying to defend himself. He says, okay, well, Jesus, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, who is my neighbor? And we all know what happens now, the story of the Good Samaritan. We have a man who goes on a journey, and he gets beaten up. He's just laying there outside the road, on the road, bloodied, took his money or whatever possessions, valuables he had. He's just laying there. And who comes walking along? They have a priest. And you would think that because the priest understood the law, he understood the greatest commandments, that he would stop and help this man. This is like the religious leader of Israel, the high priest serves in the temple before God, and what does he do? Walks right by. Walk. Exactly, Gary, you got it, you got it. He walks right by. The leader, of religious leader. You have a Levite who would help in the temple worship. He comes along, and what does he do? He walks by. And finally, we have a Samaritan. Samaritans were the outcasts of society. They were untouchables. And what does he do? He goes and helps him. What is Jesus' point? It's found in Luke 10. It says, The one who showed him mercy was his neighbor. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. What he's getting at is that we, can, we cannot love God, we cannot say that we love God, and not obey this commandment to love our neighbor. The priest and the Levite had lots of head knowledge, they would say that they loved God, and their actions would show to the outside world that they loved God, that they were in the temple. But when it came to loving one's neighbor, they fell apart, and they disobeyed him. First John says that if we do not love our brother, the love of God is not in us. This is 
vitally important to our Christian lives is that we love our neighbor. Uh, what does this look like? But if this chapter 19 actually mirrors a lot with James. If we were to turn to James, I have a list here, so you don't have to turn there. Um, it says, Leviticus 19.13 says, The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night. You're like, okay, what does that mean? You're looking at that. James says, Behold, the wages of laborers which you kept back by fraud. This is talking about you love your neighbor by not saying you're going to pay him and then not paying him at night and waiting a day. Simple as that. Be fair with your employees. I don't think any of us, I mean, we might be like Jordan's employees somehow, some way, but we don't have that so much, but being fair in your workplace, um, you shall not be partial. And James talks about that entire chapter too. Not being partial to a poor man or a rich man. We talked about that a little bit on Friday night with seeing people in a spiritual sense that we love all people. All people are our neighbors. We obey this commandment by not being partial and saying, I'm going to minister to this person because they look nice and clean, they look like me, and we abandon this poor person. The same principle that God gave Israel in Leviticus is given to us in James, in the church. How often do we disobey this commandment by being partial in who we minister to or who we choose to witness to? You shall not slander. Verse 16 James, again, do not speak evil against one another. Speaking behind people's back destroys relationships. We do not love our neighbor by speaking badly about our friends or even people that are unsaved, whether that's a workplace is a really easy place to do that, when you don't like somebody and you start talking behind their back because you don't like them. That is not loving your neighbor. I hope, I hope you're starting to understand this, that the Leviticus 19, even though it's so far back, the same commands... The same principles to love your neighbor are found in the New Testament and apply to our own lives. We must love our neighbor and show mercy. But continuing on these last verses 19 through 30, 34, we come to a long list of rules. First eight regarding how we interact with God this middle section, how we interact with man loving our neighbor, but these last ones, even as I studied it, like some of them are like, like I can get behind, like it talks about being pure, like that's, you know, we have the same thing here, but it's also talking about like draining the blood out of the meat, and I kind of, I like my steak medium rare, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but some of these rules are just like, you scratch your head and you're like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? There are principles behind these rules that I want to, want us to understand that as I studied they become more clear. Verse 19, Leviticus 19, 19 says, You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your cattle breathe with a different kind. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed, nor shall you wear a garment of cloth made of two kinds of material. You read that like, Amen. It's a great, great, my life verse right there. Not going to let two different kinds of cattle breathe together. But the principle behind this is that there is different things. There is sacred, and there is the profane. And as you study this and you read the way there's some Jewish scholars that aren't Christians, but this is the way they interpret it, the same with many different experts, commentators, that there is difference. And that principle still reigns true in our lives today, that there is a difference between the sacred, what is God's, and what is secular. And the biggest thing that, that applies to is just the scriptures. That there is a difference between the world's wisdom and the gospel. There's a difference between scripture 
and the philosophy of the world, we need to understand that there's differences between sacred and profane. Verses 20 through 22 talk about the holiness within marriage. Um, it's a little different than the concubine, the idea of concubine, but it's not so common today, but having sanctity in marriage. We talked about this morning in Hebrews 13, verse 4, that the marriage you should be undefiled, it should be pure. We need to be holy in marriage. Verses 23 through 31, these verses are specifically targeted Canaanite practices. And God is saying here, like, we don't have a lot of these today, but this would have been with the Canaanites. He said, you're living among these people, and this is what they do. Don't do these things. And he gives a list there. And then verse 32 through 44, he talks about different weights, when they would weigh out money, not using unjust weights, they wouldn't cheat people and lie, much like Zacchaeus did. The principle behind all of these is that holiness encompasses our entire life. There is no part of our lives that remains untouched by God when we've been saved. Every single part about us needs to be holy, set apart. We can't just set aside parts that, okay, I can just do whatever I want here. No, our entire life is supposed to be separated from the world. It's supposed to be different, look different from the world. I often I thought about it this way. Um, how many of you guys have burned popcorn? Okay, you're way too many. Lots of when you burn popcorn in the house, is there any place you can go in the house without smelling burned popcorn? No. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. Small house, especially. We used to live in a bigger. We live in a much smaller house, but my dad built a house for us, and then with just different circumstances, with like the market. Anyways, you have to get into all that. We moved. But this is a large, it was a large house. My dad built it himself. It was at a good time to smart to build a house, and he's a carpenter. So he said, all right, in this big house, and basement, middle floor, upstairs, and I burned popcorn. I still remember this. And every single room in the house smelled like burnt popcorn. And it was terrible. And it's a really stupid example. But in the same way that that permeates, like there is no part that was untouched by that smell. You couldn't get away from it. Holiness is supposed to cover our entire life. That's what we should be known by. God is holy in every single part. He's perfect. He's not, sin he's not sinful. He's omniscient. We're not omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. We're not there. Like He's different. Every single part of him is different. And we, as Christians, he's given us the mandate to be holy just as I am holy. First Peter gives that command in direct recitation of this verse in Leviticus chapter 19. So whether it is your work, whether it is your relationship, whether it is the way we worship, the way we interact with people, we are to be holy just as God is holy. So we come to the last two couple verses of this chapter. It says 34, 35, that is the verse, actually 36, I'm sorry. The second half of the verse verse 37 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall observe all my statutes, all my rules, and do them. I am the Lord. This final passage encapsulates everything in this entire chapter. It says, I am God. I was the one that delivered you. I was the one that rescued you. Without me, you would still be in bondage in Egypt. And so, I'm calling you to be like me. I'm giving you this list to do. 
so that way you can be holy just as I am holy. Today in our lives, where would we be without God? Just like Israel, we talked about like Exodus, that picture of salvation that Jesus has delivered us from bondage, just like Israel in a different way. He's delivered our souls from the bondage of sin. And he has called each one of us to be holy. He has every claim on our life. Without his work of salvation, you and I are as good as just being in the flames of hell immediately. And so, we have no claim on our own life. What God says is what we need to be doing. We don't just get saved and then do whatever we want. When we're saved, we are called to go to the world. We are called to be holy and obey the commands that God has given us in Scripture. What are these commands? We show that we love God by loving our neighbor. The greatest example of loving our neighbor that we can have is Jesus Christ. The holiness of God must condemn sin. And yet, Jesus loved us. Loved his neighbor, each and every one of us, and came to die for each of, each of us in this room. That is our example. We must love each other like Jesus loved us. Finally, we must simply obey the commands of Scripture. We love each other, but there's so many other commands in Scripture, even when Ben was talking about in Sunday school. Like, we went through Hebrews of Deep Theology, and we just got, like, you know, a couple commands right in a row. And as you look at those commands in Scripture and you see them, you're like, I don't measure up to them. We need to sometimes just see the Bible for his commands and obey them. God is holy. He commands me to be holy just like him. And so I'm going to obey. Hope this has been a help to you tonight. Close in a word of prayer, and we'll turn it over to Ben. Jordan.